we could create a whole world in the mind of the listener simply by using sound effects. Ron Wolfley. Thud, 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 thud. <laughs> Boomerang. Boom. Luke Lipinski. Huh. Wolf and Luke. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, good morning, everybody. Wolf and Luke off today on this President's Day. Tim Ring, Howard Balzer filling in poorly, I may add. Just teasing, Howard. You're doing a great job. <laughs> we are with you up until 2 o'clock talking some Cardinal football, talking some Suns a little bit later on. Rehash the NBA All-Star game and the All-Star weekend last uh, weekend in Salt Lake City. Howard, uh, top of the hour, do want to reset the big news over the weekend. Uh, Jonathan Gannon had his coordinators in the crosshairs, I think, from the get-go. Gannon told Peter King that this deal with the Cardinals was pretty much wrapped up the Monday after the Super Bowl. Obviously, he stayed after the game, and they, they dotted the I's, crossed the T's on Tuesday. He became the Cardinals coach, obviously, officially on Tuesday, and then... He had to go through some interviews, whether it be for due diligence or perhaps some Rooney Rule obligations, but to to use one of Jonathan Gannon's uh, phrases, make no mistake. Uh, Nick Rollis at defensive coordinator and Drew Petzing, I think, were his top choices from the get-go, and it's been made official over the weekend. They are his two selections for the coordinator positions. Uh, They are young. Petzing's 35 years of age. It's his first job as a coordinator, obviously. Nick Rollis is only 29. He'll be 30 over the summer by the time the season begins. Obviously, it's his first crack as a defensive coordinator. Rollis will be the youngest coordinator on either side of the ball in the National Football Football League. I don't know where you stand on the whole age or youth thing, Howard, if that's a concern uh, for you, but uh, just overall, your thoughts on those two hires made pretty much right away by Jonathan Gannon. Yeah, as we talked about, these were guys that were obviously on his radar uh, right from the start. He's not concerned with age. I mean, what the heck, they're not much that much they're not that much younger than Gannon who's 40 years old uh, Petsing turns 36 next month but still that that's a lot of youth in those three key guys on your coaching staff but he's you know he he said you were re- you were referencing what uh, Peter King said about uh uh, Kyler Murray, uh, or what he wrote in, or what Gannon said about him in Peter King's column uh, today, and so Peter King asked him about those coordinators, and he said, and this is I think this is I think important. He said, "I'm going to have some guys with major major experience worked into the staff because I value that too. But as far as who's running the offense and the defense, age was never." a factor for me. What was in their brain and what was in their heart is. It's capacity and character. That's what I'm looking for in a staff. And so that's what he believes uh, he's getting. And they're getting the, both the, all these guys getting their opportunity at these jobs for the first time. And how they do, obviously, is going is, <laughs> will go a long way towards determining how successful the Cardinals are. But that point he made about adding, he didn't just say add experience, and he didn't just say add major experience. He said add major, major experience. So 
we'll come to find out soon enough. I would assume what what he meant by that, and uh, what uh, you know what kind of guys he adds. Whether those are in senior assistants on offense and defense, whether it's with an offensive line coach, run game coordinator, whatever it might be. That that will be a huge hire for Jonathan Gadden, who the offensive line coach. I mean, you talk to Eagles people. Tim and ask any player but the key to their offensive line and every one of them to a man mentions their offensive line coach Jeff Stoutland and so he's been there for quite a while and so that is going to be probably the next big hire to watch from Jonathan Gannon. Howard, I can't stress this enough. I, I, I am not worried about how old the guy is. I mean, if you if you paid your dues and you've worked in this league and you know what you're doing and you're a smart guy and you know how to draw stuff up and you can get the most out of your players, I'm, I don't care if you're 29, 39, or 49. I mean, what concerns you is that these two guys have just never done the job before. So you just right. kind of don't know what you're getting. Petsing's going to be an offensive coordinator. He's never called plays. So the combination of that of the inex- it's not the age, it's the inexperience now, Peter King, uh, in that same article that we were talking about with Jonathan Gannon and how he's going to have two different offenses for Kyler Murray, uh, point blank, clearly it's a story because Peter King, you know, who's been doing this forever, point blank asked uh, Gannon about the ages and the inexperience of Rollis and Petsing as two new coordinators. And uh, King asked him, you have, con- you have conviction on both young coaches? And Gannon, here's what he said, Howard. He said, 100% convicted. You know, I talked about it in the interview and the other guys I interviewed for those jobs. They were all on the younger side, too. You one defensive guy was a little bit older. Uh, age is not a prerequisite for firepower. I've always thought that. When we got to Philly, we had the youngest staff in the NFL. There's a reason that our players ran into the building to come to work. I love that. I'm not going to say some guys with major, major experience worked to the staff because I value that too. But as far as who's running the offense and defense, age was never a factor to me. What was in their brain and what was in their heart is it's capacity and character. That's what I'm looking for in a staff. So, and I, it doesn't matter what I think, but that, that's exactly what I was saying before I read that quote is, is it, it, how old the guy is, it doesn't matter. But what concerns me, what should concern everybody, we got in Arizona now, well, a head coach and a coordinator on both sides of the ball who have never done the job. So you you you. It's funny. I, I read all these you know polls. Do you like the hire? Are you excited? It's like, you know, listen. I'm excited about lis- listening to Jonathan Gannon. Uh, I, he seems very impressive. But how how is anybody you know excited? It's not like they hired a proven commodity at coordinator or head coach that you know is like okay, this guy's won a Super Bowl before. Or he's called plays for a team that has you know gone on to do great things in the postseason and beyond. Whatever. There, there, there are three unknowns in these new positions, so I, I, I don't know what to think. I'm just going to sit back and watch. I mean, they, listen, they've all paid their dues. I trust Jonathan Gannon's judgment. I like what I heard out of Jonathan Gannon, but beyond that, I mean, to say you're excited and you quote-unquote, I like the hires, that's all nonsense to me at this point. Totally. It's all nonsense to me. It's totally nonsense because the reality is anybody who's chiming in with their opinion probably before this process began had never heard of either of those guys. Yes. (laughs) Never heard of them. If you had walked up to 100 Cardinals fans on the street and mentioned the names Nick Rallis and Drew Petzing, they would have looked at you with a blank blank face and had no idea who you're talking about. But now all of a sudden, oh, God, I love the hire. Oh, I love the hire, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, you're 100% right. You just don't know. And and that, but that's true of the head coach. That's true all the time with all of this. 
every, everyone acts like, you know, we heard Michael Bidwell say it over and over and over. Well, you know, I know people wanted us to move faster, but we didn't want to move quickly. We wanted, to, we wanted to get it right. We wanted to get it right. Well, you know, the reality is you never know if you got it right. Did, did Cliff Kingsbury, I mean, did, did Michael Bidwell think he got it wrong with Steve Wilkes when he hired him? Did he think he got it wrong with, with Cliff Kingsbury when he hired him? No, he thought he had it right. And so you always think you have it right when you go through the process and you, and you come up with your decisions. And there's so many, obviously, there's so many factors that go into whether you win or lose also. So we have to just let it play out. That's the only thing we can do. And like you said, they're all doing this for the first time, and, and, and which means there's going to be a learning curve. There's going to be a learning process. There's going to be mistakes. But that's the game of football. I mean, that's the game of football. Even, even, the, even the experienced teams uh, make mistakes. You know, one of the, the, the quick, quick side story on the, on the Super Bowl, on that second touchdown, and people in Philadelphia, I mean, they're, they're just out of their minds. I mean, they're, they're happy Jonathan Gannon's gone, and there's people blame him for the loss and all those things. On, the second, on that second touchdown, the one the sky more, the Chiefs were in the wrong, in the wrong formation. Yeah, I know. Travis, Travis Kelsey lined up on the wrong side. And this is one of their most experienced guys on the team. And Andy Reid thought that Patrick Mahomes was going to call timeout at one point. But he was able to adjust, and they made the play, and they scored a touchdown. That's what, that's what great teams are capable of doing. But that's a team with experience, with a quarterback who's played all those years, with a guy like Andy Reid who's coached a million years. And so there's going to be growing pains. There's absolutely, I can guarantee, absolutely guarantee that. But the other reality, Tim, is that everybody who's a, a head coach or a coordinator on either side of the ball, at one point in their life, in their career, they were doing it for the first time. Yeah. yeah. And, then you ju- and then you just hope that they're, they grow from it and they learn from it, but still, in the, still at the end of the day, I'll go back to this all the time, you still have to have the players. But one of the things that Gannon also pointed out was how Philadelphia had one of the when when Nick Sirianni came in, they were one of the youngest staffs in the NFL. Well, something tells me the Cardinals could end up being pretty close uh, to that. But the Eagles also had great players, and they had healthy players, and they had every they had a lot of things go their right go their way that enabled them to do what they did this season. So you still have to have a lot of those other things go right and get a lot of breaks and have good health and all those things because you have great coaches in the all the great coaches ever. But if you don't have good health, you're you're going to struggle at times. So, but anyway, bottom line is these guys will be learning on the job and. You just have to, like you said, you just have to sit back, watch it, and, and hope that these were the right decisions. But nobody, nobody really knows at this point. We think, we believe, we yeah. hope. The, <laughs> the countdown, Howard Balzer, to Kevin Durant on the court Ooh. is underway. And the countdown is at four days. Tick tock. TikTok. We'll talk about it. Got some Suns hoops coming up. Tim Ring and Howard Balls are in for Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke Middays, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, Tim Ray and Howard Balls are back with you here on Wolf and Luke, filling in on a holiday Monday. Good to be with you, everybody. Now, 
Obviously, Jonathan Gannon still needs to fill out his staff, so the Cardinals will be somewhat on the front page for the next couple of weeks, and then obviously the NFL Combine coming in, uh, coming up in uh, just about a week, believe it or not, then the NFL Draft. We'll talk some draft coming up a little bit later on in today's show in terms of what do you think Monty Allison Fort is going to do with that pick? Trading down, does that remain a possibility where you get Howard's uh, thoughts on that? But that's coming up later in the show. And I prefaced this segment talking about the Cardinals kind of hanging around the front page because I think now though as the Super Bowl gets in the rearview mirror and Jonathan Gannon's in place and the coordinators are in place we are getting ready now for a steady diet as we should of Kevin Durant and the Phoenix Suns the all-star break continues obviously now in the NBA until Friday for the Phoenix Suns anyway other teams get back on the court on Thursday Suns get back on the court Friday night 8 p.m. Oklahoma City Thunder Thunder Howard that game was moved to ESPN, and the tip was moved to 8 o'clock, obviously in anticipation of the debut of Kevin Durant that night for the Phoenix Suns. Now, Durant in Salt Lake City this past weekend obviously had a few press conferences, would not commit yet to playing on Friday night, said he's going to work on it with the trainers and make the best decision possible. But for our purposes today, let's... Work under the assumption that Kevin Durant will play on Friday night. And I think the way to look at this is it is going to be a very emotional, riveting evening at Footprint Center if Kevin Durant is out there on the court. And I I hope he is because after the Thunder game, Howard, just so folks know, the Suns go on a four-game road trip. They're not back until March 8th when they coincidentally play the thunder again <laughs> but i would i would i would like very much for selfish reasons or whatnot for kevin durant to make his son's debut at home uh, as opposed to the road doesn't really matter but it would be nice for durant to make his debut at home and that would be this friday night uh, against the thunder so anticipation runs high as we finally will get a look now at kevin durant and devin booker chris paul and deandre ayton and the rest of this Suns roster, with 22 games remaining now in the regular season post-All-Star break, uh, try to put together a championship, you know, nucleus, and make a run at this thing come June. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating to watch, and certainly like you, uh, hopeful that it will be Friday. Certainly the fans going to that game and how fitting that in some ways that it is Oklahoma City that is the opponent, and... Now, of course, if as we are operating under the assumption that he will play, we don't know how long he'll play. I don't know that we would expect it to be a tremendous number of minutes. I don't know if you have a number of minutes in your head of where it might be after he hasn't played for a while, but... Still, it's it's going to be it's going to be electric, obviously, at the Footprint Center on Friday night. Assuming he does play, and man, when he when he touch probably every time he touches the ball, when he touches it for the first time, when he scores his first uh, his first points, it's you know it's going to be something that people haven't seen in a long, long time in terms of what this could potentially mean to this franchise. But the reality is, obviously, whatever it is Friday, whatever it is in the games going forward, as everyone figures out the rotation and minutes and and all those things it's it, it's it's going to be it's going to be wild to watch coming down these last uh, 22 games of the season and see how how they're able uh, you know to navigate this see the plan that Monty Williams has and you know play it out 
And you know, because a lot of a lot of guys want the ball now on on this team, but obviously, when you have Kevin Durant, you want to get him the ball as much as you possibly can. So, man, it's going to be fun to watch. Well, you got the maestro there that will distribute the basketball, and I don't think mm-hmm. Chris Paul obviously is not one who thinks I you know I need to score. I think he'll be fine. Obviously, being uh, you know a guy who sets the table for Booker and for for Kevin Durant and even even DeAndre Ayton. Here's here's what inter- it's what's- oh, oh, here's a quick one. Really, here's sure. a quick one. Which game was it? The other night, did did, he, did Paul have nineteen assists? So they in one beat, of the games. Yeah, they beat Sacramento last Tuesday. Now Paul Booker and Aiton were sensational in that game. Now they're from a firepower standpoint, they were shorthanded. Obviously, Bridges and, and Cam Johnson are gone, and Kevin Durant's not on the court yet. But Paul Paul Booker and Aiton were so good in that game against a good Kings team, they were able to win that game one twenty one oh nine. So you thought Howard, this is kind of the way they were last week before the All Star break went. You thought that that same formula would hold true against the Clippers, and it, it wasn't even close. I mean, Paul was very ineffective offensively. Uh, Booker had a terrible night, and DeAndre Ayton's numbers were okay, but it wasn't very impactful. And while Kevin Durant again watched in street clothes, uh, the Suns did not have much going against the Clippers, and the Clippers pretty much controlled that game from the get-go. They won at 116-107, and I think that's an important point to bring up, because the Suns right now at 32-28, and they're currently fifth in the Western Conference, and they're just a game and a half out of third, so that's very much attainable. Uh, I still believe that the two-seed is attainable if the Suns can get Durant back on the floor and find something that works for them in these final 22. And I, I bring that up because I I do want Durant on the court, and I do want them to figure this out, and I do want them to figure out the rotation and start stacking up wins mm-hmm. because I do believe it's important to not get that four seed for obvious reasons. You want to you want to avoid the Nuggets to the conference finals if you could. The, but, the reason I brought the reason I brought up at the assists is because you know that when Durant is on the floor, that everyone else is going to be juiced. I mean, what's what's the ceiling on a Chris Paul assist number in a game when you when you have Booker and Durant and Aiton, much less anybody else on the floor? Well, his career high is twenty one. So that, that might. I'll bet, I'll, I'll, I'll bet he breaks it. I'll bet he breaks it at some point the rest of this season. Well, they're, they're, the Suns' midi committee is already legendary, and now you're you're adding Kevin Durant. <laughs> <laughs> who's about one of the best mid-range shooters in the history of the planet. So anyway, it's 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 interesting to me because yes, you you want that team to gel and be operating on a, on a, on a, at a high level on all cylinders as they say going into the postseason, but also with 22 games remain, I do believe the standings are in play here and a major yeah. factor and the quicker you get to rant out there, I do I, 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 do, I do want them to make a run at the Grizzlies in that two seed if, in fact, Memphis is the team to beat for that two seed. Right now, they're four and a half back out of Memphis. The Grizzlies have not been playing great as of late. And what the two seed gets you in the conference semifinals, if you're up against the three seed, obviously game seven, if it gets to that point, would be on your home court. I just, I, I think there's something, there's something there to play for. And I think if it's attainable, uh, the Suns should go after that. Now, in their final 22, what do they have to finish to, to get that two seed? Seventeen and five, eighteen and four. So every game matters here. Now in the twenty six games between Christmas and the All Star break, where they basically didn't have Devin Booker and they were shorthanded the entire time, I, I thought the goal should be play five hundred basketball in those twenty six games, thirteen and thirteen. Howard Balzer, guess what their record was in those twenty six games? 
Was it thirteen and thirteen? Thirteen and thirteen. There we go. So they're they're fo- they're following the Tim Ray playbook so far. <laughs> Part two of that playbook was seventeen and five uh, in this in the final twenty two. So if they can get that, and and the Grizzlies continue to come back down to earth. Uh, and listen, the Golden State Warriors proved last year that 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 standings and seating doesn't matter if you're playing great basketball with your great players come playoff time. But at the end of the day, I think if something's there for the taking, the Suns should go out there and try to take it. As long as they're healthy and they're not they're not extending guys uh, beyond minutes or capabilities uh, down the stretch to try to attain uh, a two seed or a three seed, as it were. But getting out of that four hole to me, I think would be important. All right, let's take a quick time out. Uh, text us your thoughts on the Suns and the Western Conference standings and Kevin Durant to the FanDuel text line at six two zero six two zero right now. All right, coming up, uh, interesting comments uh, from Jonathan Gannon. By the way, we jump back into the Cardinals from his introductory press conference. I want to get Howard's thoughts on this. How he plans to use Isaiah Simmons. Was Gannon being serious in the press conference or was he just deflecting to the inevitable change and the deployment of the former first-round pick? We'll talk about that. Tim Ring and Howard Balls are in for Wolf and Luke. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Happy President's Day, everybody, to all who celebrate. (laughs) I don't know how many people say Happy President's Day to anyone. (laughs) Really? To all who celebrate. Uh, Howard Balzer, Tim, bring in with you uh, for about two and a half more hours. Good to be with you uh, today, Howard, as we fill in for Wolf and Luke. Those two fine gentlemen will be back in the big chairs uh, tomorrow. Uh, Let's jump back into the Cardinals for a little bit. Uh, A lot to like about Jonathan Gannon. Uh, we've we've talked about it a little bit this morning, uh, Howard. Uh, that introductory press conference, I thought I thought he was well prepared, and why not? He said he's been preparing to be a head coach since he was twenty one years old. I mean, adaptable, violent, explosive, smart. I mean, he had all the catchphrases. He had a plan in place. He's ready to go. He's ready to roll. And I could see why Mike Bidwell was impressed by him uh, very early on Monday and why Monty and Mike pulled the trigger on this real quick. You talked about Mike Zimmer briefly this morning, but you also were, were, I believe, the first reporter nationally to tie a potential Zimmer reunion with Gannon to the Cardinals in some capacity. I think some people were hoping maybe it would be defensive coordinator, but maybe a senior assistant. Now, Zimmer and Gannon have ties that go back to not only Minnesota, but also Atlanta. Uh, when Gannon got his jump to the NFL from Bobby Petrino when he left Louisville, when both Petrino and Gannon left Louisville. Howard, now that Nick Rollis is in the defensive coordinator's chair, what are you hearing about Mike Zimmer? Has that cooled? Is that still in the hopper? Is it a possibility? What do you know? What can you tell us here on a Monday morning? It's It's been very quiet since I first put that out eight days ago. And okay. and I think that was certainly a big part was because Gannon had a, certain guys he wanted as as the coordinator and that he was going to do get those things handled first, which obviously he did. Now he's got a lot of other coaches to hire, uh, and but I think I, I do, from what I've been told and what I sense is that a Zimmer 
you know, Zimmer reunion, if you will, is still in play. Okay. And I mean, and again, we we heard we we saw what Gannon said about adding major major experience worked into the staff, and whether that means as a position coach or like you said. And off a senior offensive assistant. A lot of teams do that. They'll have their coordinator, and sometimes it's a relatively younger guy. Um, sometimes guys with you know some experience, but then they'll have guys with just crazy experience in there. Like for example, Carolina hired Dom Capers as a senior defensive assistant. I mean that that guy's coached in the league, I think, for over forty years. And and you, there's just no. You, you, What's the word? No accounting for how important that experience can be, especially when you have some younger coaches. So to me, that would make sense. I think it would make sense to have someone on that offensive side of the ball also. A name that I've heard kind of being thrown around is Pat Shermer, who's been an offensive coordinator for a long time in the league. I believe he was out of football last season. And what he wants to do, who knows? But... He could be a guy that could be, and I believe there is a connection with Minnesota also with Gannon and Shermer. So that could be a possibility. But whatever it is, he has said there will be major, major experience. So I think we should expect that. The question is, who, who will those guys be and in what roles will they have? Howard, again, I, I can't stress this enough. I, I have no trouble with the ages of Rawls and Petsing. It's all about their abilities and their and their experience in terms of paying their dues in their league. And, 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 and as Jonathan Gannon says, it's what's in their brain and what's in their heart, their capacity and their character. I do believe, though, there is something to be said for experience when adversity and crisis hit. And that could be adversity and crisis in the middle of a game mm-hmm. or it could be organization-wide adversity during the week. I just think that when it comes to veteran experience, guys that have been around the block, a calming influence is guys who have been through the wars to be there for young coaches when times get tough to settle them down and say, look, it's okay. Here's what's going to happen. Here's what's happening. Here's what we do. Here's what's worked in the past. I just think that's invaluable to have those kind of guys on your staff and in your building when adversity strikes. Everything It's real easy when things are going well, right? Everything's working. Everything's fine. You're winning. But when adversity strikes, you know, to have those kind of guys, the experienced guys that have been through the wars, that have been through similar adversity in the past, can be that calming influence. I, I just, I just think think it's invaluable. In fact, again, uh, Peter King got got Gannon on the phone for twenty five minutes and and pulled some stuff out of Gannon that we've been talking about all day here today. The, the article just came out uh, this morning. Gimmer, uh, uh, Gannon point blank mentioned Mike Zimmer uh, in the article in the article in the conversation with with Peter King. One of my biggest mentors is Mike Zimmer. Is my personality the same as Mike? No, it's not. Am I in alignment with the a lot of things that he did as a head coach for discipline, accountability, player performance, you bet your ass I am. It's not saying I'm a tough guy because I'm probably going to run that more like Nick, talking about Sirianni. They're completely different personality types, but I'll say this. Someone that's worked around me would never say I'm soft on people, and all I can think about is how is Jonathan Gannon going to handle it? Not that Kyler Murray would try it with Gannon, but how would Gannon handle it if Kyler Murray ever told him to calm the bleep down? 
on the sidelines <laughs> in the middle of a football game. That that would be something something else. Real quick, uh, Howard, let's let's pivot real quick before we hit, hit the break. Uh, Isaiah Simmons. I, I think a lot of Cardinal fans are interested in Isaiah Simmons because he was such a high pick and he's such a talented young man and he's got the capacity and the ability to be such a fantastic football player. Just the Cardinals just don't know what to do with them and they have not known what to do with them. So you're hoping that a new staff comes in and can figure out how to get the most out of Isaiah Simmons. Now, Gannon, Lauren was asked about this in his introductory press conference. Here's what he had to say. All different ways. I talked to all those guys um, in the last 24 hours and and just like some other people that we have on this roster, Zach, Kyler, James, uh, we're going to use guys' skill sets to present matchup problems. That's adaptability. Um, when I talk about adaptability, I'm talking about our people in mind first and then who we're playing. And it's a little bit of a chess match with schematics of how you need to do that, all while keeping it simple for your guys so we can go out and play fast and be violent. But, um, you know, we're, we're going to maximize those guys and use them in ways that give us a, the best chance to win. All right, what's interesting about that is I don't think that's exactly music to Cardinal fans' ears. I think Cardinal fans want want to hear that, no, we're, we, Isaiah Simmons is best suited here. That's where we're going to play him. Enough of this jack-of-all-trades, master-of-none-nonsense. We're going to give him one position. He can do one thing and one thing right. He's going to excel, and he's going to be the next Hassan Reddick. He's going to be one of the best defensive players in football. I caution Cardinal fans, though, to not put a whole lot of stock into that answer by Gannon Howard. And, and, and Howard, you've been at press conferences for 40 years, and here's where I'm going with this. A lot of times I think coaches, they don't want to be definitive in any kind of press conference. So it's easy for Gannon to say, we're going to use him in multiple different ways as to not, first of all, he doesn't, he hasn't been on a practice field yet with Isaiah right. Simmons. He doesn't know yet. So rather than just make a de- declaration in the press conference, like, nope, he's going to be an outside linebacker. Now he doesn't know yet. So his answer to the question right now in February at his very first press conference before he's even had a practice is we're going to use him in multiple ways. Unfortunately, Simmons is probably the last guy you want to say that about in Arizona because that just hasn't really worked uh, to get the most out of out of that young man. I remember when Bruce Arians got the job as head coach, uh, Mike Jarecki asked him, what kind of defense are you going to play? 3-4, three, 4-3, four, four, three, and B.A. didn't even want to answer that. He goes, multiple. We're going to play multiple. We're going to let anybody just let anybody pin us down, you know, which was which was BS. <laughs> you know, just coaches don't want to coaches don't want to give you a straight answer at that point. And I think that might be the case with Jonathan Gannon and Isaiah Simmons. I wouldn't be surprised if they gave Simmons one position and one position only come training camp 2023. What say you? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that'll happen or not because the reality is guys all over the league are used not a, not a lot of them I'm saying but a, different guys are used in different ways on defense depending on the down and distance. That's that's very that's very common in the NFL. And so I think that when you have a guy that can do a lot of different things, sometimes you don't want to pin him into just one but not to, specific. But, right. I know what you're saying, Howard, but let me jump in. I, I understand that guys are used and, and utilized differently all over the field, but you rarely see a guy playing safety, slot corner, and inside linebacker on, on a team. The, the, the variance of Simmons's positions have, has been a bit abnormal compared to most NFL players. I mean, it's not its not exactly... Be- they, they haven't found a home for him. It's been a little... It, 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 it's not been the norm with what the Cardinals have done to Simmons. It's been outside the normal moving around of, well, of, a, a, def- a, of a defensive player. 
a certain amount of that is has been because of necessity when all of a sudden you need him to play here because someone's hurt or isn't out there like at the end of the season when he was playing mostly safety because and, and more, even a little corner because of all the guys that they were missing on defense and so sometimes that's a reason it happens the one thing that he said in there that Jonathan Gannon said in that quote that you read that I thought was key mm-hmm. is he said it's a little bit of a chess match with schematics of how you need to do that all while keeping it simple for your guy, for your guys so you, we can go out and play fast and be violent. That to me is the key and I think sometimes with Vance Joseph's defense it was somewhat complicated and it, it, it kept rookies from being on the field too much. You, coaches are afraid to make mistakes and so keeping it simple is the key and then you figure out where to deploy a guy. I mean if 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 he plays a certain amount of most of the snaps in one place, great. But if all of a sudden in a certain defense and a certain down and distance, this is the best place for him, and it's and he doesn't have to think about it, and it's simple. I mean, we saw him being benched at the beginning of the season yes. last year because there was so much in his mind and and so much being counted on there. So I I think that keep it simple is key, assuming that he wasn't just throwing that out there. But I think that's I think that's very very important, and so. You have to have the trust in this staff that they will figure out what is the best way to utilize him. But like I said, I mean, you look at a guy like Micah Parsons on Dallas, and he's all over the field. He's not playing one one position. He's here. He's there. Sometimes he's on the line. Sometimes he's a linebacker. They they utilize him the best way possible so he can go out there and make plays, and he made an awful lot of them. Simmons hasn't made enough of them. That's There's no question about that, and that obviously has to be better but we'll you know we'll, we'll see if this staff figures it all out and and the best way to utilize him while also adding a whole bunch of talent at a lot of other positions i mean heck look at that defensive line now i mean look at look at look at some of the other areas outside linebacker i mean there there's a lot of areas that need to be upgraded and it goes back to what we were saying earlier in terms of what has to happen over these next few months with an infusion of talent both on offense and defense got to hit a break we're just about two months away from the NFL draft while we're talking Cardinals. Isaiah Simmons was a top 10 pick. The Cardinals currently pick third. Will they stay there? We'll get our thoughts from Howard on that coming up after the timeout. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. And we're back. Tim Ray, Howard Balls are in for Wolf and Luke on a Monday, a holiday Monday. Happy President's Day, everybody. Just about two months away from the NFL Draft 2023. You know, when you have a really crappy season, you get very excited about the NFL Draft. And the Arizona Cardinals right now set to pick third in the draft. Now, again, we're two months away, and these airwaves will be filled with draft talk, no doubt, uh, certainly in the month of April, maybe even earlier than that. But with Monty Ossenport now in place at GM and a head coach and a coordinator and an offensive coordinator, uh, Howard, I thought we would take the time. Don't know when I'm going to have the chance to uh, do a show with you again. We thought we would at least spend a little bit of time today uh, talking about what the Cardinals may do with that third pick. Now, the easy decision is to do nothing with it. Stand pat, right? And assume that, at worst, Will Anderson or Jalen Carter will be available. At best, both will be available if the Bears trade out of that number one spot to a quarterback needy team. 
The other option is, we'll get your thoughts on this in a second, the other option is would obviously to be, tr- to be to trade down with a quarterback needy team for more draft capital and get your first round pick somewhere in the top 10 where you would not get Anderson or Carter, but you would get hopefully, the idea would be another very, very capable player either on offense or defense. Remains to be seen which way they would go, probably depending on who's available at that spot and what spot they would be at. But the overall question, do you stay at three and pretty much guarantee yourself either Carter or Anderson? Or how attractive would it be to trade down for some extra draft capital? And Howard, know this. As it stands right now, the Cardinals only have five picks in the 2023 draft. Now, that's that's how many they definitely have. There's the belief, and it looks pretty solid, that Hopkins, they're going to have. Yeah. Yeah, no, well, besides Hopkins, three compensatory picks for the free agents uh, that they lost last year, with one of them being as high as a pick at the end of the third round. Okay. So that should give them uh, more draft capital. And like you said, we don't know what's going to happen with DeAndre Hopkins. But the key is... Is aside from the third pick, you also have the third pick in the second round, which will be one player earlier than normal because the Dolphins forfeited their first round pick with um, because of well, what they did with tampering with Tom Brady and and all those things. So. There also there will only be thirty one choices in the first round. Okay. So then the Cardinals will have the thirty fourth pick overall. But to answer your question, basically it comes down to trading down can be very, very attractive, especially when you are that high and you can command a tremendous amount of picks. And that's what ends up driving your decision. A is how many extra picks are you getting and B how far do you have to trade down? And so if you are giving if you are potentially giving up the possibility of one of those two players you mentioned, then you obviously have to pretty, pretty much know who's your next two or three guys that you would be selecting if you would trade down let's say to 7 or 8 or whatever it might be. We can throw out all kinds of numbers. The one wild card in this, Tim, are the Colts. Because the Colts pick one spot behind the Cardinals at number four. And depending on what happens with the first two choices, then some might say, well, let's say a Let's say one of the quarterbacks is still there and one of those pass rushers is still there. Well, some might say, well, the Colts figure the Cardinals will take, you know, take that pass rusher. And if they want a quarterback, that other quarterback will be there. Will be there. Sure. At four. However, you can never assume that because if you're the Colts and you really want that quarterback, you also know that there's always a chance that somebody behind you could trade in front of you with the Cardinals. To get that pick. Now, the Cardinals probably wouldn't want to trade down, like I said, maybe to eight or nine. But if they would trade down that far, if you get a haul of picks, then that can make up for not having that generational talent. And so that, that's where all the decision-making comes in. Because if in your mind also, I used to just use the word generational, if Anderson or Carter, you totally, absolutely are convinced they're a generational talent and can't miss, which there's very rarely anybody that's can't miss, but sometimes there are, then 
that would might lean you to say, "Hey, we're taking the guy," because that's that's going to change. That's going to be a game changer for our team. But again, like I said, if you can pick up another second round pick and maybe a first round pick next year, I mean, who knows what might be in that package, especially for a team that is trying to get a quarterback, and 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 that will be a big part of it too. Is how will these quarterbacks be truly evaluated by teams? Doesn't matter how Mel Kiper or all the draft people out there. Doesn't matter how they evaluate them. It's how the teams evaluate these guys, right? And, and that's you, that's what drives trades. And if you're if so, if you're Monty Austin for it, you you have to evaluate. You have to you have to weigh the extra picks that you would get as you try to rebuild this roster, which, make no mistake, needs a total rebuild at several different positions. But are you okay dropping down to a 7 or an 8 if a deal can be struck? And although you you lose out on an Anderson or a Carter, could you get a high-level cornerback talent like Akili Ringo or Christian Gonzalez, somebody like that, which is also a position of need, as your first round pick, but knowing also you're getting additional picks. So, yeah, you are losing out on an Anderson or a Jalen Carter, but you're still getting a darn good player, a top 10 caliber pick at a position of need, but you're also getting those additional picks because you traded down. Or you just believe that Will Anderson and Jalen Carter, and again, this now goes back into your scouting and your evaluation, and Howard, this is what you were alluding to, and again, this is why Imani gets the big bucks. you got to decide, like, okay, we can. these guys are too good. We cannot pass on a Will Anderson or a Jalen Carter. These guys will be our our our, our all pro cornerstone trickle down effect players, you know, for the next decade plus. We I I, I can't sleep at night if I pass up one of these two guys. Right. We're not gonna do it. I might trade down, but I wouldn't trade down farther than four. So I know I can still get one of these guys. You know, and it, listen, that's, it's, it's a tough, it's a tough uh, decision to make. All right, let's take a quick time out here. Uh, we come back. Much more uh, coming up uh, with uh, Howard Balzer, Tim Ring, filling in for Wolf and Luke. Coming up after the timeout, Wolf and down your lunch. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.